Sixers Nation, welcome on in another edition of the show. We're getting used to it, man. Sixers Weekly, presented yeah. on two channels. Philly Take with RB, run it back, Philly. We're just in the offseason right now, man. You guys have been showing love to this show, so hopefully it's something we can continue, man. Welcome back on in. I'm RB. We got DJ Eastwood. Shout out to the chat. Let us know you're in here. Hit that thumbs up button, man. We're going to talk about this new little project going on today with the Sixers. We're going to talk Summer League standouts, who we think could make the roster, all that good stuff. And we'll break down our roster prediction and give our best starting lineup and talk about some different things. We got a lot coming up as always, man. Welcome on in to the show. RB once again. Philly take with RB. DJ Eastwood, run it back Philly. What's going on, DJ? Yeah, man. Uh, hanging out, enjoying the summer, enjoying the offseason. Uh, you know, trying to keep the content going for the people, trying to keep the content going for my own sanity. Uh, <laughs> and hey, listen, man, there's never, it just seems to be never a dry time. There's always, always something for us to cover, especially when it comes to Philadelphia sports. And that has a lot to do with you fans, man. You guys are locked in 365. And we love you for it. Yeah, absolutely incredible, man. Once again, hit that like button wherever you are watching the show tonight. Let us know you're in here. We'll take your calls, maybe a few of them later on in the show. We already got 120-plus in here. Like DJ said, you guys are the best, man. Hit that thumbs up. Give us your thoughts. How are you feeling on this Thursday night? Another edition of Sixers Weekly. And uh, we'll we'll get it started, man. But, uh, yeah, you know, nice little summer night. You would think in the middle of July that there's literally nothing to talk about, but somehow we keep <laughs> making this happen, man. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we're going to get started, man. Um, just to go a little bit light, or we would think a little idea came out this morning, woke up fresh at like eight o'clock and, and they're already talking about a new development project, Harrison Blitzer, what the Sixers could potentially have a new arena coming. Hold on, let's take a look at it, man. Let's take a look at it. So this came out today. Sixers page on Twitter putting out that there is a potential proposal in line to build a new stadium called 76th Place at Market East, the fashion district right in Center City, man. Moving away from the Wells Fargo, a new stadium a stadium dedicated to only the Sixers. What would happen with the Flyers at that point? What would happen to the Wells Fargo Center? I'll tell you what, the way the Flyers are playing, they are not. Maybe by 2031, it'll be different. <laughs> but, you know, right now, I don't know if they can sustain that. But anyway, this is a potential proposal for a new home in 2032. That is 10 years away. Joel Embiid would be 38 years old. Tyrese Maxey <laughs> would be 32 but, hey, our, our owners, man, they always have uh, some kind of business project in mind. Just to remind everybody, last year they had uh, proposed for a new stadium near Penn's Landing. That got denied, I believe. And uh, here we are. 
a new project in place. DJ, your thoughts? Yeah, um, 10 years out. So, you know, it's funny how, how people were freaking out on the Internet today on something that's going to be done uh, potentially in 2032. And I would imagine there's a lot of things that they would have to get approved anyway. So it's not like there's a 100% chance this even happens. Uh, but that's maybe just how bored we are in the middle of the summer with sports that, uh, and maybe they planned, you know, they announced it at a, at a press release or, or, or some kind of press release. I don't know. Josh Harris flew in on his helicopter from, from Miami or whatever. Uh, they, they seem to plan it at the right time. Like, Hey, we, we haven't gotten much attention lately. Let's drop this on, on all the fans. So, um, it's interesting uh of course the first thought is is negative uh from the philadelphia fan base because we we have such a perfect like layout of all of our sports teams <laughs> down there uh you know the well the the xfinity live center in the middle of all the stuff yeah. and everything all in the same area you can walk from philly's game to a sixers game to uh, to a, an eagles game uh and it's nice to have so uh, you know of course initially people are going to be like no don't change it um, but uh, change is, is necessary sometimes, and change is something that uh, business-minded people are always going to be looking at. Um, and, you know, once I read about it and once I started to, to take opinions from uh, people that were more on the positive side, and then you, you see the benefits of having an arena uh, in Center City and what it does for the economy and what it does for just your city in general – the taxable income that it brings all around uh, itself is it, it can't be a negative for the city. People are, you know, they're yelling about parking. I mean, look, there's a lot of downtown arenas, you know, L.A., D.C., uh, plenty of them. You're not I don't think anybody's planning to drive their car down there and park in front of the arena. <laughs> like, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, people want to be upset about things. They're upset about this. But, yeah. Ten years from now, uh, you know, maybe maybe all of downtown Philly looks a little bit different ten years from now. Um, yeah. You know, maybe they can clean it up a little bit in ten years before that arena goes up. Because yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, things would have to look a lot different. I mean, we don't even know what things are going to look like in a couple years, let alone ten. Um, I agree with you. I I don't think anybody would really be wanting or desiring to to drive downtown and, and park you know, putting their hazard lights. I mean, it, it would just be a mess. Um, <laughs> they would have to kind of work some agreement out, in my opinion, maybe with the SEPTA or just, you know, I, I don't know. They would have to work out some type of business agreement as they, you know, usually do. Um, and I, I don't know. I have a mixed opinion about it. Like the original reaction, like you said, uh, everybody was just frustrated about it. I thought it would actually be a little bit cool. You know, maybe you're out with your buddies and, and you're downtown and, and you're hanging out. Um, and, and maybe people that, you know, want to capture different moments, right? You have tons of fans flooding out after the game. It's not like they're just going to get in their car and go right on 95. Like, they're there. You know, people are going to be hanging out, standing around the stadium. There, I've seen a couple places like that before. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'd be a way to connect with the fans. But I do understand the glaring cons, the parking, the security, all that type of stuff. Um, it would be interesting. But it's weird. I just see this as being such a Harrison Blitzer type of thing, right? They wanted to expand, you know, to a regional network. They wanted to include the Mets, the Devils, um, all that types of things. And I knew something like this was going to come. Um, who knows if they're even going to put it into place. Again, this is a proposal. So nothing yeah. is, is you know, even near or concrete yet. Um, 
But I don't know. I I could see it from both ways. Um, I mean, how cool would it be to go out there and get a piece of content, right? Like just hanging out in front of the stadium yeah. and, you know, maybe we just won a game, hit a great buzzer beater, and people are coming out, you know, on fire. They're they're pumped yeah. up. I think it would be kind of cool in that sense. You know what? Every time I go to Philly, I drive there, and I hate every every second of driving there. Uh, so yeah. if a change like that forces me to take the train from where I'm at to – you know, downtown, and then maybe, you know, whatever, wherever the location is. I'm sure there's the, the one train station is right near there. So, you know, if you're forcing yeah. me to take a train and I don't have to drive, maybe I'll like that better. Oh, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, the expressway isn't exactly express at yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as someone so. who goes to Philly, I, I can tell you, uh, nobody likes driving to Philly. It is the <laughs> absolute worst thing. Um, I would rather be stuck in traffic for a couple hours than have to go to Philly. I just can't do it. And and think about a, I mean, if you go to Philly games, if you're someone that's from the area or you go to a lot of games, you already know how bad it is in general trying to get out of the, out of the Wells Fargo parking yeah. lot. I mean, imagine Center City, right? Um, I I would not be driving to any games. Yeah, the last time I went to uh, I went we went to the Atlanta Hawks playoff game. I got I was right next to the building at six thirty, <laughs> and I missed tip off at seven fifteen. I swear on yeah. my life, yeah. I could. It took me more than forty five minutes to get from next to the building to inside the building it was uh you know so you know take the train and uber if you're forcing me to do that i guess yeah. you know i'll do it but again like look the septa in the entire city could could use a, an upgrade so josh yeah. why don't you just buy that too why don't you just buy the whole public transportation in the whole city redo everything if you want to do that you know and you know that's how i see it it's just another another step in billionaires ultimate plan to take over the world so yeah it's very interesting, though. Like, I don't know how I would feel. Obviously, I mean, this would be down the road, but, you know, I would want to see Joel Embiid rocking out at this place. I don't want to see a 38-year-old Joel Embiid at the tail end of his career. You know, I, I want to see it if it happens, you know, with the squad we have. But, unfortunately, I don't think that would really happen. No. No. Probably not. But, hey, I mean, we'll see. Um, Joel Embiid actually did uh, comment on the post uh, on Twitter. It was pretty funny being Joel Troel and beat as we know him. And uh, he replied with this. He said, nah, 2032 with, with the old guy. He sees, look, he knows, man, he would be the odd man out. Hopefully he'll be playing by then, but he, look, he knows, man, at, at this point, I, I think the Wells Fargo's here for a long time, man. And um, you know, we got to We got to win a championship in that building. We have to a lot of history, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, thinking of twenty thirty two, hey, look, maybe Tyrese Maxey is on like a Damian Lillard level by that point, and he's and he's thirty two years old, and he's on like his his third, his second Supermax contract, and he refuses to leave Philly, and you know, maybe that, maybe we can look at it in a bright spot like that way. You know, thirty two year old Tyrese Maxey could could be a superstar. We never know. Yeah, hey, I think he will be. I think he will be. I'm excited, man. Um. But, yeah, give us your thoughts. How do you feel about the new stadium proposal? Let us know in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up button, people. Appreciate everybody being here live on two channels. Be sure to hit that thumbs up. Um, let's talk a little bit about Summer League, man, because, you know, we're, we're dividing this show into different parts. We're, we're going to talk about our lineups, which I know everybody's excited to hear about. It's been a long time coming. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, let, let's kind of just recap Summer League a little bit. I'll be honest, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, spew out stats because, you know, getting down to the tail end of Summer League, you're going up against, you know, guys that are barely scratching the surface of the G League and, and the NBA. 
Um, so I'm, I'm not really looking at the stats. I know Isaiah Joe shot exceptionally well. At one point, he was shooting like 55% from deep. You know, he averaged 13 a game. You had Trevlin Queen, who had a couple nice games. Bassey, overall, uh, looking at this summer league roster, what is your takeaway? Any guys that surprised you? Uh, any players you think are locks to make the roster? How do you feel? Um, I, I really was pretty much underwhelmed uh, with the summer league this year. And I usually look forward to it. Um, you know, thinking about Paul Reed, Charles Bassey, what we thought of them last year, the minutes we thought they should have got at the backup center position or the backup four position. or um, And, you know, uh, Isaiah Joe uh, yelling about why won't Doc play him the whole season. So I just felt like we had at least three NBA-level players uh, going into the summer league, uh, you know, the two little mini series or whatever you want to call them. Uh, I was going to call it a season, but uh, I was just kind of underwhelmed that nobody really stood out to me as like, that's definitely an NBA player. Like you didn't get a guy that kind of looked like he's too good for the summer league or didn't belong. Um, and on the other side, like, uh, you know, Romp replied to me today on Twitter and said, don't take too much either way from the summer league because it's kind of glorified pickup basketball. Like I wanted to see a lot of Charles Bassey offensively and I didn't see much, but in the grand scheme of things, I didn't see much of an offensive like game plan whatsoever. It's just kind of, you know, guys just out there uh, trying to get their own shine, trying to help their own name, trying to maybe make a G league team, trying to maybe make a two way contract on an NBA team. So you can't take too much away from it. But, you know, I don't want to be ultra negative, but I didn't see anything like that stood out to me as this guy's definitely an NBA player. Um, I think Bassey and Reed can fill in the 10 minutes at the backup center position for Joel just because of their rebounding ability and their athleticism, their youth and their and their their defensive ability. And maybe Paul Reed, you know, learns not to foul every 36 seconds. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't blown away. I'm, I'm getting more towards the let's like sign some some veteran minimum guys and and move in that direction on a win now mode. Uh, it sucks to say, but you know uh, Isaiah Joe at six four one sixty five. I just saw he's listed at. Is he yeah. really listed at one sixty five? Yeah, I guess so. Now that I think about, it, like I just can't picture a, an NBA player. Being 6'4", 165. Tyrese Maxey, 6'2", 205. You're telling me Tyrese Maxey weighs 40 pounds more than Isaiah Joe. Uh, so, yeah, nobody really blew me away. All right, that's Hopefully fair. you're more positive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, to put it in, like, perspective, you know, we're not really sitting here analyzing the summer league like we need this guy to step up. We need this guy to be, you know, uh, a gem, right, because we do have championship aspirations. We're in a championship window. Um, so really we're just looking for maybe a couple guys to pick up rotation spots. I'll also be honest. Like I, I didn't even watch the last couple games. Like I just got kind of got tired of it. Um, I saw what I needed to see, you know, my one takeaway is that Paul Reed, uh, you know, is obviously levels above the G league. And I feel like he's somewhere in between the NBA and the G league. Like he needs to continue to develop. Paul Reed was an absolute menace. Um, you know, he played early on and that was it. I liked what Isaiah Joe did. I thought he took more of a leadership role. I thought, you know, he's putting the ball on the floor more, which is definitely a bright sight. Uh, but like you said, you know, he needs to get in the NBA, in the NBA shape. Um, but he showed signs. And to me, he showed the same signs he showed last year, like a guy that could step in. And if you need him to, when given the opportunity, can hit a couple shots. Other than yeah. that, though, 
you know, I, I feel as Sixers fans, I say this a lot. We say this, like we overvalue guys a lot. And, you know, a lot of people were, were on the Bassey train. I mean, he's an exciting prospect. He got him in the fifties, right? He's a, looks like he could be a, a big shot blocker one day. But let's be honest. Again, we're in championship mode, right? You look at Andre Drummond, who got signed for $3 million a year with the Chicago Bulls, and you're starting to think to yourself, like, the Sixers couldn't pull that deal off, right? I mean, Daryl Morey's had a great offseason. But I'm looking at some of these centers and even some guys that are available. Like, right now, if you ask yourself, do you trust Charles Bassey to be the backup center on a championship-ready team? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I have to see it more. And, and I think we're going to have to play these young guys. Daryl Morey, as we've said is literally forcing the hand of Doc Rivers. But, you know, this was an opportunity. We talk a lot about guys taking advantage of op of opportunities. Like, Bassey didn't come out and, and really jump off the screen for me. So, you know, he's still developing. He's got to get better. Maybe Paul Reed can take some of those minutes. But, again, he's a little bit too small as well. So I think one glaring thing we need to keep our eye on is the backup center position. Um, and other than that, I thought a couple guys showed some potential, but they'll likely be in the G League. Personally, I think Isaiah Joe will make the roster, and I think Paul Reed obviously will make the roster. And I think you have to put Basti on there. Uh, other than those three, yeah. I don't know any other givens in my eyes. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you there. Uh, th like I just think you're you're right about overvaluing, and and people are watching this G League or this uh, summer league stuff, and they're really. Some people are taking it way too serious. I just the, the way people were talking about the performances is as if Isaiah Joe was out there dropping 50 points or, or dropping 35 a game. Like clearly an NBA scorer playing in the summer league dropping like he wasn't, you know, he averaged 16 and a half points per game in the summer league. It wasn't that crazy to me. He shot good numbers, good efficiency. And yeah, if you're talking, you know, versus Korkmaz, I'm Isaiah Joe all day. Uh, you know, but no, just nobody blew me away. And I was kind of underwhelmed by Charles Bassey. I just thought I would see more of a, an offensive arsenal from, from Bassey. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And, and I think I'm right with you on who makes the team. So there's, there's to start the season, there's 15 roster spots in two, two way contracts. Am I correct about that? So that leaves you with 17. Uh, and I think, you know, it'll, it'll be, I looked at it so many times trying to figure out the math by myself. Maybe you or someone in the chat can help me out. But I, I think it's probably going to be a toss-up between guys like Trevel and Queen, uh, uh, Isaiah Joe, Jaden Springer. Um, you know, it'll be a toss-up between, like, end-of-the-bench guys of who's on the two-way contracts and who's in the G League. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think we overvalue what we're seeing in the summer league a little bit too much. You have to really imagine – what they look like on the NBA level. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also have to look into the two-way contracts. I believe Trevlin Queen is a guy that could be, uh, you know, potentially signed with that. Um, and he, well, he was already signed with a deal, but I, I believe Trevlin Queen will probably uh, bounce back and forth uh, between the NBA and the G League. I, I just, you know, I saw a lot of turnovers from Trevlin Queen. I, I don't think he's ready yet. I thought, again, he showed flashes. Um but I, I'm really looking at the guys that have been up here, you know, last year. And when I look at Jaden Springer, um, that was the one guy again. Like, I, I just don't see it. You know, I talked about this last week, the week before. Like, I just don't see any way of him making the team at all this year. And it sucks because that's a first-round pick. That's a guy who, if you draft well, you know, could be a contributor on this team who's trying to win. Um, 
But yeah, I, I didn't really see anybody else that I think is an instant day one given. I think Reed will be there. I think Bassie will be there. And honestly, you know, if I have to speak looking into the future, like you said earlier, I, I think we might go out and get another player or two, right? We, you know, even have a few more spots now. I think we, um, you know, obviously we would have to get down to 15, but we have, you know, a little bit of cap space with James Harden's discount with the official terms coming out. Um, we might be able to get a, you know, a, a backup center for very cheap. Uh, and you might have to explore those options. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think when you look at the summer league type of players level they're at and you, and you picture them joining this Sixers NBA team and contributing, you're, you look at like what role would these players play? And it's most likely a catch and shoot role. You know what I mean? If they're getting on the floor in staggered lineups of Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Joel Embiid, maybe in certain instances, depending on what Doc Rivers does, which is always, you know, pretty much unpredictable. Uh, but it, it's always going to be pretty much a catch and shoot role. So which guys are catch and shoot? Yeah, Isaiah Joe is. He, you know, you don't want him to try to be a, tr creating his own shot really in the NBA. I just don't think he's physical enough to do that consistently off the bench. Uh, but catch and shoot, um, you know, last year I say it a lot. We had a spurt of games where uh, one we were shooting 17% on wide open threes, which is ridiculous number for nba players and isaiah joe can make wide open threes so you know i see roles for certain guys uh definitely and i i, I think you know paul reed and bassey and i think isaiah joe is probably the closest for me to having any some sort of nba role I, uh unfortunately Jaden springer yeah i'm not seeing really an nba role for him at all i think he's undersized for the for for how he plays i think he plays very physically he uses his athleticism and kind of you know jumps into people and plays real physical and i don't think that translates into the into the nba very well you know i think he'll yeah. basically get get his shot blocked into the third row trying to play <laughs> like that against nba talent so i'm not seeing the the floor stretching ability i think that Jaden springer would need to fit into a role on this squad he just doesn't like naturally catch and shoot the ball he naturally mm -hmm. catches it and just drives hard and jumps and hangs and gets the and one and like yeah, that works in the summer league sometimes, but is it, you know, I don't think he can do that in the NBA, at least right now. I think he needs to develop more of a consistent uh, perimeter game, definitely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, a couple other guys that I thought played decent in the summer league, uh, Grant Ryler, Cassius Winston. Unfortunately, we just don't have spots for those guys. You know, they're more kind of like pure point, uh, you know, IQ players, a little bit older. Uh, we just don't have the room for them. The, uh, one other guy that I'll mention is Philip Petrusev. I think he's still gonna, you know, stay overseas. He's a monster shot blocker, though. It if is. he could develop, you know, any type of offensive game, because honestly, he was kind of touted as a bit of a shooter uh, coming out of college. If he could develop more of an offensive game, you never know what could happen. He's a little bit bigger, uh, I believe, than Paul Reed, um, and he he kind of impressed me. But again, it was just on the defensive side of the ball. We know how that story goes. Uh, I don't think he'll end up making it. Yeah, and uh, because Jaden Springer was drafted in the first round, he does have he is on a rookie uh, guaranteed contract. So you can't really just. I mean, the smartest thing to do would be to to throw him in a trade package, something like that, than to just you know cut him and take that that salary hit. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Shouts to everybody in the chat, man. 300 plus in here. Hit that thumbs up. Be sure to subscribe, man. Appreciate everybody being here. Bit of a downtime, but we are uh, we are talking the good stuff, man, as always. And we're about to get into our actual 
lineup uh, predictions for the Sixers. We're going to talk how we feel. I'm definitely excited to, to hear your take on this in the chat. I'm we'll end up taking a couple calls, so call into the show if you want to give your opinion. 508-924-3784. Do us a favor, hit that thumbs up. Uh, let's talk about, first and foremost, the starting lineup. I think we're going to agree on this, and I think it's quite obvious knowing you know, Doc Rivers' his history, if you follow this team, <laughs> if you follow all his teams, what the starting five is going to be. Um, and I'm not sure how you feel, but I think we could all come to an agreement that it's likely going to be Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Do you have any other thoughts on that? No, no, I definitely think it's P.J. Tucker at the small forward position. Now, I want to say this because people have negative reactions to that right off the bat because when they think about a small forward, yeah. you know, you're thinking about the prototypical NBA small forward, the 6'7", 240, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Zach Levine, uh, you know, somebody like that. Uh, maybe we don't that's have a prototypical fours. three. We don't have fours that put it on the floor. <laughs> no. No, no. And and I think people need to look at this this team this way. You know, it doesn't have to be a prototypical small forward. Yeah. It doesn't really have to be even position by position. It can be as simple as breaking it down like this. James Harden has the ball. The defense pays attention to him. Joel Embiid is in the paint. The defense pays attention to him. All P.J. Tucker needs to do is stand in the corner. <laughs> That's literally it. Just yeah. stand in the corner and by the way, he led the league last year at 46.5% on corner threes. And 88% of his three-point shots last season were from the corner. So Daryl Morey just did exactly what he should have done, in my opinion. Just get a guy to stand in the corner who's not just a threat, but is literally the best threat from of standing in the corner. He's a Danny Green, but better. And you know, I know somebody in the chat said should should Matisse Thibel start. That's a that's a big no from me because again, your only role at the small forward position on this roster construction, James Harden, Maxi flying around, Tobias, Joel in the paint is to stand in the corner, and you have to be a threat to shoot. I don't think Thibel fits in there at all. Uh, yeah, PJ Tucker stand in the corner, man. You know, watch the defense collapse, catch the ball, and shoot it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And and to your point. You know, when you think about the Sixers team, we're not conventional, right? Which kind of teams have a, a center that has the capabilities of Joel Embiid? Um, it's been a while since we've had a guy at the three who could really put it on the floor, bring more to it. But now when you look at some of the teams and how they're building out their, their lineups, you know, do we really need that? Maybe, like you said, we take the position aspect away and we have two dominant guards who can play on ball, off ball, staggering with pick and roll with Joel Embiid. And you have two other shooters on the floor um, which is interesting, right? And and I agree. I think P.J. Tucker is just like a Danny Green type of mold, right? Put him in the corner, spot him up, and play good defense. Um, and, and I think it's the exact type of player that we need with more toughness as well. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Katz, I just happened to glance at that. It said P.J. can play the five when Embiid is on the bench. I don't know about a, <laughs> I don't know about a six-foot-five center out there. Uh, hey, hey, maybe maybe the, the small ball center before <laughs> in Houston, right? Yeah, with Dan yeah, Tony. I mean, that was a little bit extreme. I don't, I don't, I especially considering Doc Rivers' traditionalism. Yeah. I don't know if he would ever go that, but in small lineups, I could see him at the four, yeah. uh, things like that, stretching the floor. But yeah, man, just 
stand in the corner, catch and shoot the ball. And I agree. I, I don't think positions really matter. This is not a conventional team. Um, you know, it's not. It's never going to be a conventional team with Joel Embiid on the floor. Uh, you know, right. th this is something a center having this much, this much dominance and demanding this much attention hasn't been seen since Shaquille O'Neal. And that's you know, people grow grew to think that it doesn't exist anymore. You know, it, you can't win like this. It's not a thing yeah. in the NBA anymore. I'm I'm on the side of it's not a thing in the NBA anymore just because nobody's been good enough at the center position for it to be a thing. Uh, you have that guy. But and that you just need the, the players to fit around them. And especially with Tobias Harris, you know, not being a high-volume, like, three-point shooter, I think, yeah, the, the, the small forward just needs to stand in the corner, catch the ball, and shoot the ball, man. And I think P.J. Tucker's a perfect guy. Perfect guy. Yeah, I agree. And, and Tucker's a guy that's really started everywhere in his career. Um, so it, it seems likely that he will be, you know, that, that same guy here in Philly. Before we talk about a, a few other lineups, because I, you know, I definitely want to talk about some ins and outs, right? You know, maybe some different lineup swaps, maybe a potential, you know, underrated type of lineup or, you know, bench lineups. We'll talk about it all. Um, this article came out, I believe, earlier today. Um, just wanted to, to pull it up real quick. It was an article saying uh, that the Sixers were named as the uh, third best starting lineup in the NBA. Uh, and I think that's interesting, right? We remember back mm -hmm. 2018, you know, we were touted as one of the best, maybe even the best, right? When you look at Redick and Butler with these guys. Um, and we talked about this now, like this has been a masterful off season. It hasn't been, you know, a lot of noise uh, backing it, but it, it's really been the sneaky underrated off season, right? Cause you shed some salary um, you get hardened to take a pay cut. You bring some familiarity, some toughness, and you look at this starting lineup. And I mean, I kind of agree. Like we we do have on paper, at least, you know, one of the better starting lineups in the NBA. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I went over that list on a stream that I had. Uh, it's it's Golden State and and Boston number one and number two as far as starting lineups go, and and it's it's Philly at number three. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the list is teams overall. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of ifs with this team. Of course, there's a if Joel Embiid's healthy. There's a if James Harden comes back in shape. There's a if Tyrese Maxey continues to climb and develop at the rate that he has been developing. If all of those things happen, this is very possibly the third best team in the NBA um, yeah. and could possibly be the, the NBA championships this upcoming season. I really, I really believe yeah. that. And, yeah, I agree that the starting lineup, I mean, Harden, Maxey, PJ, Tobias, and B. Yeah, I don't see a weakness in that in that lineup. Yeah, hey, I agree, man, and and I think it would be a very very lethal starting lineup. Um, but obviously, you need to make sure your bench is producing as well. Um, you know, you need a full type of production team, and I think the Sixers definitely added in that in that category. And I I think they need you know to potentially build more. Um, uh, but this is the this is the season. I said this uh, yesterday. Um, I truly believe this is the best chance for Joel Embiid at this point in his career to win a championship based on the lineups. Like, I think this is the best uh, well-put-together type of roster, um, and it might not have been, like, the sexiest signings or, or this or that, but I honestly think right now this is the best shot. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that was, uh, you know, once Daryl got, got past the Ben Simmons hurdle and, and finally, you know, got into the clear – and was able to gather his thoughts and really plan, okay, now I can really look at players and I have this much money and this is what I can do. 
He went after a specific type of player. And I said it already 600 times on this stream. Guys that can catch and shoot. Yeah. That's it. PJ, Daniel House, all he's done his whole career. A couple of those years next to who? James Harden. All he's literally done is run down the floor, waited for James to get double teamed, catch the ball, and shoot it right when he catches it. And he shot 41% in uh, 2018-19 with the Houston Rockets when they were on that on that, that crazy run of like 40-plus three-point attempts per game and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I just – yeah, I totally agree. I think f- for the first time, you know, I think all of the uh, – all of the um, experiments that were had by uh, Elton Brand or maybe Brett Brown or maybe people <laughs> above them that shouldn't have been making decisions. I think all of those experiments that failed have been cleaned up mm-hmm. outside of maybe the overpaying of Tobias Harris, but I think is the closest we've been to having like the actual right type of players around yeah. Joel Embiid. And, and, and one quick point to that, because I never got your take on – not the actual concrete uh, details of, of the contract, but I mean, just what a tremendous job by James Harden, right? And if you think about this, the Sixers really have a good shot of trying to go all the way this year and, and just say Harden ends up going elsewhere, right? Well, guess what? After 2024, we're going to have a lot of cap space because Tobias Harris will be off the books. Harden will be off the books. You might be able to sign and trade, get something back. Let's just, I mean, this is talking into the future, but you know, like you just said, we cleaned up the mess. And I mean, it can only get better from here, right? Even if those two guys end up leaving in the next couple of years and you have Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid in a heck of a, a lot of cap space. I mean, you know, this this is looking good, in my opinion, in, in terms of what Daryl Morey has done. I think it's been a, a bit of a slow process, but he's had to, you know, inherit a lot. And I've said that before. And um, I think he's got a vision in mind. I do. And, and I think this is the best shot right here. And I think um, you know, we, we're about to go all in. I do. Yeah, I agree. And I, I also, man, uh, I don't think, I don't think anybody's been talking enough about Tyrese Maxey and what he did from year one yeah. to year two. Mm-hmm. If he, I mean, this kid is de- like, they had to tell him to take a break when the season was over. Like go, go, go like lay like suntan on a boat, go do something. Don't play basketball. He just wakes up and yeah. plays basketball. It's all he does. It's all he's ever done. Uh, and that's why he, he did what he did in just one offseason. And if it, I see no reason for him to not make another jump. I, um, you know, I think the only thing last year that I saw from him that still looked like a second-year player was when we got deep into the playoffs, his, his confidence in questioning himself. And I, I think he's a smart kid. I think he knows that. And yeah. I just think this upcoming season you're going to see a player out of Tyrese Maxey that doesn't look like a 21-year-old. Um, yeah. And it it could very well be a big three in Philadelphia with James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Joel Embiid. So everybody that's in my comments every day, my chat every day, saying we need more, we need another star, we need more, we need more. I think you're underestimating what we have. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I think we if we get a solid version of Harden, I mean, look at how far we got with the version that we got. Right? <laughs> I mean, things could uh, things could get very interesting. Um, so we we. You know, essentially agree on the starting lineup. I think we're not numb to the facts. Um, I actually have an interesting starting lineup. I think I have something that'll blow your mind. And I think that I have put together the most underrated potential starting lineup. But before we get to that, first off, shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button. 
Let's go to the phones, man. Call into the show. If you want to give maybe a take, a lineup, a thought, 508-924-3784. Let's go to the phones. My guy, John, in the 609. John, what's going on? Hey, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? How you feeling? What's going on, man? Hey, you guys remember that? You remember that old video of uh, Rudy Tomjanovich when he played for the Lakers getting punched in the face, getting totally cold cocked? I feel like if I saw it, I, I might re, uh, recognize it. Who punched oh, it, him? It was, it was a one-hitter quitter. Uh, you probably, <laughs> if you see, you would definitely recognize it. I probably well, would. Anyway, that's Father Time and me. Because you guys described your prototypical small forward in the NBA would be six foot seven and 240 pounds. That's exactly my physique. I'm six seven, 240. <laughs> but I shoot like the Matisse Bible. I have the athleticism of Todd McCullough. And, hey, but at least I would shoot the ball. I wouldn't be like Ben Simmons. The ball would get out of my hand. Thanks. But, uh, anyway, I, I, think, I think you guys are correct with the starting lineup. I think P.J. Tucker is going to be our starting three. I, I don't want Bible in there whatsoever. I, yeah. I, uh, I was listening to Philly Sports Talk the other night that said that Matisse Bible may be um, maybe the, the – this, the, the savior of this team. He might be mm. the biggest um, proponent of us potentially going further than we have in previous seasons. Yeah. And that scares the living shit out of me because I don't have any trust in that man whatsoever. Yeah. I don't think he's gotten better. Actually, what I think has happened is, uh, you know, during his rookie year, our fan base loved him. He was this young stud and, and we projected him to get better. Well, we then drafted another young stud who took his fan. Uh, the fan love went all to Maxi, and now I think Bible feels this immense amount of pressure to be better than what he actually can be. I I don't know how much he he practices his shot. I'm sure he's probably in the gym consistently, but I I think he feels the pressure of. Uh, of needing to be better than what he actually can, at least offensively. And yeah. his defense is overrated, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the call. Um, I, You know what's crazy? Like, I feel like we haven't even talked about Matisse Thibel at all, like this whole offseason, other than he needs to get better, he needs to shoot. Like, when we talk about, like, the lineups and we, and we talk about, you know, like putting this team together, like, has anybody even mentioned Matisse Thibel? <laughs> Maybe this is good. Maybe he can, you know, kind of undershadow a little bit and and get back to what you know he started to show a little bit of potential of. Uh, but man, I, I kind of forget about him sometimes. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I don't even really think about <laughs> Matisse Thibel when I'm thinking about a, a starting lineup. Then I think about you know eight nine man rotation. I'm thinking about you know uh, uh, Bassie and Paul Reed being the the backup rotating backup center. I'm thinking Daniel House and and uh uh DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton and uh <laughs> I was gonna ask you a couple minutes ago does yeah. like what is Matisse Thibel's even like like portion of the of the bench minutes at this point um and I think here's what happened with Matisse Thibel I think NBA defenses did almost exactly what they did to Ben Simmons with Matisse Thibel his rookie year they didn't know anything about him 
Um, so they were, hey, let's guard this guy. They were guarding him out at the three-point line. Not that he was, he's a threat to shooting. Any, it's not like he was putting the ball on the floor and blowing by people. But he had opportunities to cut to the basket. He had a lot more opportunities to make things happen in space because he could run past his defenders. Then all of a sudden, some genius figured it out. They said, hey, just don't guard him. Just don't go anywhere close to him. <laughs> That's exactly what they did to Ben Simmons and took his, his one-on-one game, his driving ability, everything away. And when you saw Matisse Thibel in the Toronto series, the first possession, they, they passed it to him. Tyrese Maxey passed it to him in the corner, and I was yelling, why are we still passing to this guy? He was so wide open, and they weren't anywhere close to him, and it just took his game completely away, and it made him really unplayable. And I think defense is going to continue to do that because he's not a threat to shoot. He's not a threat to dribble drive. He's not a threat to do anything once he crosses the half-court line. So it sucks, but I'm questioning what is his – yeah. Where does he even really fit in in the rotation at all? Yeah, I, I think he's more of like a spark plug when you need a couple big stops. And, and I feel like he's always been that player. Like you said, you know, rookie year, very exciting. People didn't really know about him. But there, there's a couple areas of fault. Like the Sixers need to be pushing this guy to shoot multiple times a game. There were games this year where he hit a couple threes and then he didn't come back and shoot for a couple games. That doesn't make sense. But I'm going to add right. one thing on to what you said. I think Matisse Thibel was such a flashy defensive player. Obviously, we went through the whole Ben Simmons thing. But I think Matisse Thibel, you know, started to get a lot more foul calls. And I think it really messed up his mental. Um, it took him out of games. You know, when he comes in and he gets two fouls in the first quarter, it's like, how do you play this guy? Like, what do you do? Right? Rookie year, four steals a game, three steals and three blocks. He was on top of the world defensively. And then as he started to rack up these more fouls and he hasn't really kept up with that, you know, heading into the second year, the third year, he's kind of just staying complacent and he needs to develop an offensive game or else. I mean, I don't know. Is he going to get weeded out at this point? It's crazy, man. It really is. Yeah. Offensive players might've studied a little bit on how to get him in foul trouble because, you know, I, good players watch tape all the time. They, they scout teams and, you know, they might've said to themselves, Hey, listen, when this guy's guarding you, if you get past him, all you got to do is pump fake, and he's jumping on your head every single time. So, <laughs> you know, maybe they learned that this is just get the guy in foul trouble, and it's not hard to get him in foul trouble because he's going to take the bait every single time because yeah. he wants to highlight block, he wants to highlight steal. So I think yeah. the NBA learned, started to learn how to deal with his, yeah. his uh, advantages and use them against him. Yeah, nah, it's, it's definitely crazy, man. Shout out to Jersey Boy with the super chat. Appreciate you supporting the show. It says, is this team better than 2019? Um, On paper, I got to say, yeah. I got to say, yeah, man, because of a certain someone. But, like, every guy on this roster now can actually shoot the ball. Every guy on this roster can, you know, do something, can contribute in some unique way. Uh, and they're a lot tougher now by adding a guy like P.J. Tucker. I got to say, yeah. As much as it's, as it hurts me to say, because I liked that team a couple years ago, but I think this one is more polished. Yeah, I'm I'm with the yes too, and I did a, I actually two days ago did a, an entire stream centered around this, and then I, I clipped out the actual part where I gave all of my five reasons of why this team is better uh, than that team, and you know, people initially don't like that because they were on such a high with that Jimmy Butler team, but I just think that team was carried 
by very, very good talent in Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, and it covered up their deficiencies. But at the end of the day, their deficiencies came back to haunt them. The fact that they were playing basketball without a point guard, when, when your, your star is a center, you need spacing. You got Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons. It doesn't even make sense when you really think about it. <laughs> and it, it, it looked good all the way up until the Toronto series and, and got all the way to game seven. And the, the, it killed them because they didn't have a point guard. They're trying to play point guard with Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons standing in the corner. They're spamming the J.J. Redick dribble handoff every single possession. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, in the back of my mind, I just knew this can't survive. This can't last forever. So yeah. I don't think it's the, you know, I think this team's better not not because of the the Jimmy Butler on that team, but it's because yeah. of the Ben Simmons off of this team. I, I can't add anything to it. I agree. I agree. Uh, I want to get to my sneaky good lineup that I think will be very intriguing to you. Let's go back for one more call to the phone line, man. Let's go to uh, Bridgeton. Bridgeton, what's going on? Yo, yo, what's going on? Hey. Hey, what's going on? My guy Shane. Um, I think that PJ Tucker is gonna um do something that I didn't see from Danny Green, and that's actually um he's gonna force foul like he's gonna stand in the paint, put his arms down, make the defender shove him back and try to get a foul. Yeah. Yeah, he brings that level of versatility on defense, man. He could guard what one through four, maybe even all five at some points. He's a dog, man. Absolute dog. Yeah. You saw the game five in Miami against oh, yeah. Embiid. Yeah, I mean he he roughed up Embiid. He roughed up Harden. He had us looking crazy, man. And he was the old guy on the floor. It, it's just nuts, man. Yep. And that's something we needed. Yeah. Uh, I like him because he could do it. Green did on offense, like in the twenty twenty or last year, whenever Green was in the corner, he just shot crazy. From three at the corner. <laughs> you, you, you're going to need that on offense, and he can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Shane, appreciate the call, man. Shout out to you. Thanks, um, Shane. Good to hear from you. Yeah, shout out to Shane, man. Consistent caller, man. Always showing love. Uh, let's go to the 604 real quick. 604. Who we got, and uh, where are you tapping it from? Uh, it's Andre calling from uh, Vancouver, Canada. Hey, what's going on, Andre? So, now what's going on, boys? Yeah, not much, not much, man. Just you know, just counting down the days till the season starts. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of action and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of optimism with with uh, the 76ers. The only thing I'm worried about is like, is Daryl Moore doing like a Tom Thibodeau and just like remaking the one team that he had like some sort of success with? Because it seems like he's just bringing the do the old guys back from that Houston Rockets team, you know, you got PJ Tucker, Daniel house, and now apparently trying to go after Eric Gordon, Mike D'Antoni has been like rumored to like possibly replace <laughs> doc rivers. You guys see that like being a problem this coming season. I, I see your point and I get it. Um, what I would say to you is, you know, how close was that Houston team, right? I mean, they were on the verge uh, If Chris Paul didn't get injured. You never know what would have happened. Uh, add Joel and beat add some of these other cats, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you got to look at what's out there. You got to look at what's available. I think Daryl Morey is just trying to address needs. Now, it, interesting enough, it, it falls in line with all the old players he used to have. Um, I think yeah. he's done a good job, though. 
Yeah, I, I think I actually have three three things on that. Um, I think, you know, if, if Daryl looked at that old Rockets team and, and says to himself, what would this team look like with a, a force in the middle like Joel Embiid taking the pressure off of everyone on the perimeter and James Harden? Uh, you know, I, I can't think of it in a negative light when I look at it that way. I, and uh, Daryl Morey knows one thing. He knows, he knows James Harden and the players that fit around James Harden and I think he went after the players that he knows fit around James Harden, and he went after the players that ha already have chemistry with fitting around James Harden. Those catch-and-shoot type of players, knowing James Harden's game and all of his tendencies, when he, when he, ha when he tends to, to let go of the ball, when he tends to kick it out, when he tends to drive and kick or hesitate or whatever, they know where to be, they've played with him. And Daniel House is 29. Yeah, PJ's 37, but I, I gotta like not even look at the number when it comes to him because he doesn't he doesn't hustle or look like he's 37 on the court, especially at least last season. So, you know, I, I just think he went after guys that were available and guys that he knows uh, fits the exact role that you need next to James Harden. So, you know, PJ's age is the only thing that really stands out that people people seem to hate. But if they, you know, they watch him play last season, I can't hate any of the signings. I really can't. Yeah. What kind of style of play you guys see this season? Because, like, again, with the Houston Rockets team, they're, like, one of the fastest teams in the league, you know, seven seconds or less and stuff. Yeah. But then with, the, you know, Philadelphia last year, they're, like, one of the slowest-paced teams in the league because, you know, you got a, a center. You're running your offense through him, so you got to slow the game down. You know, Joel Embiid was, was pretty much everywhere dominant. So, I mean, what kind of style of play do you guys see this year? Do you guys see more up-tempo or you guys see the same, like, slow down slow pace yeah. style yeah appreciate the call man um i i think you're gonna see a, a hybrid i think you're gonna see a mix of both like you can do a lot of things with both tyrese maxi james harden and joel Embiid, right like the combinations are you can you can slow it up when you want to in a half court you can kind of space everybody out but then you can also have tyrese maxi in the flesh come and take it over um and bring in that burst or you can have a guy like tobias pushing it in transition um, I think that there honestly are a lot of different things we can do if these guys are healthy. Um, and then you can have Joel Embiid come out and take the ball. Like there are so many different combinations. That's why we constantly talked last year about our offense looking dull at times. There is so much creativity to be had within the guys that we have here. Right. And it can't get stale. Yeah. Um, I'm going to expect this. what we saw last season, heavy pick and roll, uh, because that's what Joel Embiid is. That's what fits his his game, and that's what, uh, you know, maximizes his skill set and his potential and the team's potential based around his skill set. Uh, and maybe that fits James Harden right now at his age also, you know, playing a little bit slower game, more of a half-court pick and roll game. In Houston, yeah, it was fast-paced. He was also, you know, 28, 29, 27. Uh, they were flying up and down the court. He's averaging 36 points per game. It was not even human. It was we actually take for granted what was happening. I wish I could go back and and take it all in while it was happening. I wish I watched more Rockets games at the time. Uh, but it wasn't normal basketball <laughs> at all. And I just think, yeah, maybe this fits James Harden at 32, almost 33 years old. I think you're going to see a lot of pick and roll half court stuff. And Tyrese Maxey at the also can be the the kind of counter to that and be the the spark the kid that can just get from one end to the other lightning quick i'm gonna say he's probably top two uh quickest players in the nba 
And, yeah, I think you have a lot of dynamics, but I definitely still think it's going to be heavy pick and roll just because of James and Joel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, should be interesting to see what we we kind of roll with this year. We got to get innovative, man. Um, we got to get a lot of combinations going. Um, all right, let, let's talk about some other potential lineups. Uh, I don't know if you have any alternative lineups, if you've gotten that far, because let's be honest, you know, P.J. Tucker is likely going to start. Doc Rivers is going to run with the five that he knows best and the experienced players, right? Um, but I'm, I'm going to give you a sneaky, underrated lineup, and I'm going to tell you why I think it could actually work. Okay. Hear me out. And, and if this happens, <laughs> you, you can reference back to this show because um, I don't think anybody's talked about this lineup yet. But think about this potential lineup, right? Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Daniel House at the three, Tucker at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. Now, like I said, the likeliness of that happening, probably none. But here is how it would impact the Sixers. Number one, we just talked about the heavy dose of pick and roll, right? You can run it with both Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, uh, along with Joel Embiid. You could either have James Harden uh, running it dominantly with, with Maxey on the weak side, but what it really does is it gives you two high-clip three-point shooters. It gives you two guys that are familiar with James Harden, and it you know you can spread the floor a lot better. Daniel House shot above 41% from three last year. Tucker shot above 40%. You can spot them up in the corners. You can run that heavy dose of pick and roll, which is almost unstoppable with James Hart with a healthy Harden and, and Joel Embiid or even Tyrese Maxey. And also what it does when you have some questions about your bench, if some of these guys don't get consistent minutes, if they don't show up, you can plug a guy like Tobias Harris into that six-man role. And let's be honest, against second-tier, third-tier players, Tobias is going to feast. He's going to go off. Again, he makes too much. It won't happen. But that's my idea of the underrated, sneaky good lineup for the Sixers. And I think it would, I think it would work, man. Yeah, I definitely think that would work, and and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if if uh, let's say they do run that lineup a, a decent amount this season, and then you get to the NBA season and you get to the end of the season and you look at all the efficiency numbers. I wouldn't be totally shocked if that's the most efficient lineup out of the whole all of the lineups they run throughout the whole season. Because yeah. I mean, I've been saying for a long time, I don't think Tobias Harris is the is the perfect fit next to Joel Embiid. I'll take him as the as the third slash fourth option. Um, you know, I would have preferred to trade him just because of the contract, but it is what it is. It's not a negative to have Tobias Harris on your team. But at the same time, when you look at James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, if you're looking at that as a potential one, two, three uh, threats to score in the NBA, um, the two guys you would want at the small forward and, and power forward would be high percentage, uh, high volume three-point shooters. Um yeah. And Tobias Harris tried to to kind of mold himself into that a little bit more last season when James Harden joined, and and he did a good job of it with with kind of retraining his mind to like just shoot it right when you catch it, don't hesitate, don't jab, don't try to go into triple threat. You're not taking anybody off the dribble, just knock it off and shoot the ball. But yeah, I think that might actually make more sense. It's just yeah, it's not going to happen because of of the contract, and uh, you know I. Some people think Tobias has a little bit of an ego also. You know, would he be happy being the sixth man? You know, he kind of feels like he earned that $180 million. I am uh, one of the guys. I was one of the guys on that Jimmy Butler team. I deserve that contract. I'm this. Maybe he, 
you know, I don't know. I don't take him that way personally because I just think he's a really nice guy. If I yeah. if I had to guess, uh, but yeah, that, that lineup might be more efficient than having Tobias Harris in the starting lineup at all. But it is what it is. He's there. Yeah. I agree. And, and another way that it actually impacts the team, one, it makes us more of a versatile defensive lineup, right? Because uh, Daniel House is kind of a two-way wing, right? He can bring a little more athleticism. He can guard a couple different positions. Um, and having him next to P.J. Tucker, who is essentially another guy that can do that, uh, would be good for this team. I think we need more of that, especially on the perimeter. And one more way that I think it really impacts this team is what you just referenced. Tobias Harris, you know, is a guy, once again, that at points needs the ball in his hands, right? And when we talk about this team not being traditional, right, Joel Embiid is a guy that also needs the ball in his hands. So at what point do we sit here and look and we say, we have too many dominant ball handlers, man. Tyrese Maxey, Harden, Embiid. You go and add another shooter. Daniel House isn't going to put it on the floor. He's going to sit up uh, on the wing and, and knock down some shots. Tucker going to spot up in the other corner, knock down some shots. And um, I just think Tobias would be more utilized, right, coming off that six-man role, um, especially when we need more scoring and, and efficiency. But and like you said, I don't think it's going to happen. Just an idea I had. Um but yeah, at the same time, also at the same time, also I've seen a lot of times where Doc Rivers would have a bench lineup out there, and the only starter on the floor was Tobias Harris, and it looked like he couldn't get a bucket to save his life without having some kind of creator on the floor too. So it's almost like, I, at times I'm like, what is Tobias Harris? Are you an off-ball player, or are you a, an on-ball player? I, I don't even know sometimes. So I don't know if he's a six-man really. There are times where he looks like one. There's times where he looks like. You know, he's just, I guess, inconsistent is really the word you would use for Tobias Harris in general. Uh, sometimes he's a threat to drop 30. Sometimes he's, like, just a guy out there. I just think the way that he plays, the style that he is always possessed, you know, he needs the ball in his hands sometimes. And, you know, are there enough touches to go around? And that's where we get to points like we had last year where we're thinking, you know, why is Tyrese Maxey so passive in the offense? But then we sit here and think, oh, well, Harden and Embiid are running a dominant pick and roll, and Tobias Harris also needs the ball, and Maxie also needs the ball. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll uh, get some more shooting, some more high-volume shooting from Tobias. But uh, how about you? Any any other potential lineups you like? I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the bench as well. Um, what do you think? Any other efficient potential stagger swaps? What do you think? As far or are we talking about as far as a starting lineup, I, I think that one that you mentioned would have the most like potential to be one. Uh, I guess you know if players have rest nights, if players uh, have a little bit of like a tweaked ankle or something like that, I could see that lineup uh, being a major one. I think people are definitely underestimating uh, DeAnthony Melton and the role that he's going to play on this team, and I I just think you know he's gonna I think he's gonna earn a lot of minutes on this squad just because he's the he's a prototypical combo guard that can kind of fit anywhere. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of DeAnthony Melton on this team, uh, a guy that uh, is not afraid to shoot it, uh, eight, eight three-point attempts per 36 and, and shoots 37, high 37% on those attempts. Uh, athletic, uh, 24 years old, you know, can get up and down. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not sure about an exact lineup, but I definitely expect to see a lot of DeAnthony Melton, and I'm excited for it also. So, so what is DeAnthony Melton then on this team? Is he the sixth man? Is he the seventh man? You know, what, what's going to happen? Let's talk then about the bench, right? I mean, what, what are we going to get from Shake Milton? You know, is he going to be the Shake that once 
dropped 40 against Doc Rivers and you know he, <laughs> fell, he fell in love with him? Or is it going to be this shake that's been in and out the last couple of years, right? I think if we get a productive shake, you got that combo off the bench, Melton and Milton, right? That would be the next headline uh, on, on any Philadelphia you know article or newspaper, Melton and Milton dropping yeah. a combined 25. Like, how about that? Yeah. Or how about a thigh ball, right? Do we have enough shooting? Do we have enough ball handling off the bench? Who's going to be that dog, that dominant player that every night we say, okay, we know he's going to show up. We know he's going to do that. What do you think? Yeah, I think Shake Milton hasn't. You know, the last time he was, I guess, really healthy was that that season where we ended up uh, playing Atlanta in the playoffs and losing uh, that series. But he played a major part off the roll, and and him and Tyrese Maxey at the time coming off the bench were like that one-two guys. We had two players coming off the bench that could give you fifteen every single night and some nights they gave you 15 some nights they gave you 20 and 18 you know what i mean so yeah. it was like oh my goodness we have such a dual threat coming off the bench who's going to stop us and you know you know how that ended up but yeah i think uh melton and milton could could kind of be that that 2.0 uh with uh maxi being a starter now i think those two guys can uh if shake can get back to what he was i think the year before last last year uh he had ups and downs and then he got like he got his back injured when Embiid I think like need him in the back in like an awkward fall or something like that and he was out for like a month and then he came back and wasn't really himself he looked hesitant to shoot I think his shooting form even kind of looked a little bit different to me it looked more it looks more like he's pushing the ball versus like releasing it with a with a nice like high arc and flick of the wrist so uh, he just didn't look totally healthy to me last season so that's another big if uh, when you're talking about Shake Milton, but if he can play the way that he played the year before, I think him and Melton can be can be two guys off the bench, and that's that's just even better for us, man. Because uh, when him and Maxi, I just remember seeing those two guys, their their stats, they would just be you know Maxi 15 and Milton 15 off the bench. It was like, man, we have a guaranteed 30 points off the bench. Yeah. Who's stopping us? Yeah. So we're we're gonna need the excess of shooting uh, for sure. Real quick, shout out to Jabbar right with ten dollar super chat. Appreciate it. Says. I do not feel amazing about the upcoming season until I see what Doc Rivers is going to do. This team has the potential, yes, but it will depend on Doc Rivers. I mean, I agree 100%, Jabbar. I, th I think that uh, that's really the biggest question we have. You know, will we will we adjust? Will we adapt? Well, what will he be like? You know, he's taking the, the team on a trip to South Carolina. <laughs> he's going back to the championship origins, man. Hey, a little bit of a different feeling, right? I absolutely can't stand that guy, man. I just absolutely. Doc Rivers, man, I just, I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about him anymore. I want to pretend he doesn't exist. Let me enjoy this team without talking about Doc Rivers. No, I think Daryl Morey did a good job of, of putting players on the team that he thinks fit. And I don't know if it depends on Doc Rivers. I think when there's issues within a team, when there's clear holes and you need some kind of creative mastermind coach to, to to find a diamond in the rough doc rivers is 100 not going to be that guy he's not going to do it he's not going to find a, a, a lou dort he's not going to find a, a young guy that's going to come in and do anything or he's never going to give him a chance uh but i do think if the roster is good enough it can kind of prevent doc rivers from having to make some kind of genius decision like they, these should be the the lineups and the bench should be pretty obvious, I think. Now, I'm not putting it past Doc Rivers to do something that I totally don't see coming and completely blow my mind once again, but I just think this this is like almost foolproof roster for Doc Rivers. Like, there's not 
it's not too hard to think about. You know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I know that's saying, like, anybody can do this, but I, there are definitely NBA teams that I feel like kind of anybody can do it. Just to, mm -hmm. just make sure the five best players are on the floor and then, you know, stagger the bench. It's not rocket science. Uh, play, coaches overthink and overcomplicate things. I don't think it depends on Doc Rivers. I just think if there's major issues, he's not going to be the guy that makes the right decision in that uh, situation. I agree. And, and, again, referencing what we have before, like, I just hope he – you know, for once is not that stubborn self of him, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, that is just kind of kind of a turnoff uh, to the rest of the fan base sometimes. Um, oh, he is entirely hated across the entire Sixers community, and it's 100% warranted. He brought it on himself. I mean, he just stands up there and fights with reporters and calls everybody stupid basically every single time there's something goes wrong. Yeah, The guy's just yeah. a, a complete ticking time bomb. Yeah, he's got to reflect, man. <laughs> Carlos with the $5 Super Chat says starters and B, Tucker, Harris, Maxi Harden, second team, Melton, Niang, Thibel, Paul Reed, and Isaiah Joe. I think that's a little bit uh, too much youth there from Doc. But uh, you bring up an interesting point, and, and this is one thing I forgot to mention. How about a, a lineup or, you know, throughout the game, a potential substitution? How about Niang and Tucker next to each other, right? Two guys that can shoot uh, when they get going. They can knock down. They can get hot. And two dogs, man. I mean, they are going to be barking at these other teams. I can't wait to see it. Imagine <laughs> imagine both of them talking some smack, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I think uh um I think we got a little bit a little bit jaded on uh uh him towards the end of the season. Not jaded, but we, we got a little bit towards the end of the season what he looked like in the playoffs. You know, uh we kind of forgot what he looked like during the regular season, really. And and I think he is, he has a dog mentality and he's a, you know, he's a fun guy to watch. And man, he's, a, he's a guy that's going to give you everything he has every minute he's on the floor. Uh, not the most athletic guy in the world. Um, yeah. but yeah, I totally agree. Those two next to each other are going to be fun to watch. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he's not like, he's not that old. Uh, he, he didn't look like he was in the greatest shape last year. Maybe he comes back in a little bit better shape, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe he has a little bit, I'm not saying. I'm not saying some kind of crazy athleticism, but you know maybe Niang comes back and is in uh, has a little bit more endurance, I think, than than I saw last season because he just looked like he got kind of worn down towards the end of the season, really. Yeah, I think he, I definitely think he was uh, battling a lot. He talked this off season about you know getting in better shape. I, I think he was battling a lot. He had that knee injury, um, but yeah, you know when when we look at this team, right? So obviously we know the starting unit, uh, the bench lineup. So Tucker. Um, or I'm sorry, not Tucker, uh, Feibel, Melton, uh, Shake probably, you know, May Paul Reed. Um, and, you know, where, where do we go from there? Like, who else makes this team, right? It's going to be hard to do this without, like, actually writing it down, but Niang will be there. Um, who are who are the end of the rotation guys? Like, who are those guys that are going to sneak on? I think Isaiah Joe has to be one of them, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, when you look at when you look at the additions that they made, it really pushes guys like that even closer to the end of the bench. Yeah, um, else. And it's not very, it's not out of the realm that Isaiah Joe doesn't make it. I, I think, uh, you know, especially when you get down to like a playoff rotation and you think doc is going to run with like eight or nine guys, yeah. um, you know, Daniel house, uh, George Niang, Paul Reed, Charles Bassey. There you're looking at four, off the bench right there, it's tough. It's really tough to call. Um, 
maybe Bassey stays in the G League. Maybe Paul Reed's just the backup the backup center, uh, and then they, they kind of play the game with P.J. Tucker staggering minutes or, or George Niang at the small ball five for certain instances. Uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that could definitely happen, but, you know, I, I know – I know there's young players that, that we love, but uh, it's tough with the additions. It really is. I think you're onto something there because I'm thinking about Doc Rivers and, and his historical style, what he likes to do. You know, is he even going to play Charles Bassey with the way that he, you know, he looked in summer league? I, I could see him not even playing him, just sitting on the bench. And, and it's like, you know, why not go down and get some reps in the G League? Um, I think it's interesting. And, and another guy. Furkan Korkmaz, who's owed $5 million this year. You know, another guy we haven't talked about. Like, what what are we going to get from Furkan? Like, I feel like we go through this process every year, right? It's like that guy, he's shown potential. He's shown flashes. But now we're at the point where it's like we're trying to win. We're trying to win now. Mm-hmm. Are those guys a part of that solution? Are they a part of that? I just don't know the answer. Yeah, I'm starting to think uh, on Corkmaz. I'm, 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 I'm really, really close to a definite no. Um, I know he's owed five million dollars. I don't know how you figure it out. There's a lot of things that could happen throughout the rest I'm of the off season. Yeah, you can definitely throw him in a trade package uh, with other players that are owed money that you're never gonna play, like like Jaden Springer. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I'd be more interested at this point in in getting. Uh, I, I think they, they can sign two veteran minimum guys, if I'm not mistaken. I, I just saw a, a number today that they're 4.4 under the apron and could possibly sign two veteran minimum uh, players. And if you're in win-now mode, I don't even think you're, you're like, juggling, you know, should I get an experienced guy who's won an NBA championship or, or been deep in the playoffs and, you know, Markeith Morris – uh, or do I do I maybe see if Corkmas still has no? Like I think you're definitely on the other side of that, and even uh, I think even Isaiah Joe, I'm I'm gonna at this point, um, I don't see him being a major contributor at the NBA level right now, and I I would I would maybe take certain guys that are available on veteran minimum contracts coming off the bench, yeah. um, and Markeith Morris is is one that. I'm high on, and I'm also high on the possibility of it happening because he's already said he he would like it, yeah. uh, and you know at a vet minimum after uh, not doing much last season because of the injury that he had, uh, I think that could definitely happen. Oh yeah, no course. doubt, no doubt, and and I think Daryl Morey always has something up his sleeve. I think he realizes again where we are at. I think he's going to go for as much experience as possible. And I'm at the point where, honestly, if you're not contributing, if you go on one of these stretches during the season where you're not, you know, shooting for 10 games, like, you got you to gotta get withered out of the rotation, man. Like, we need to have our core. We need to be ready. And and I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm still a little bit worried about our bench depth. Like, I don't know until I see it if we have enough. I think we have pieces there, but how will it mesh, right? Obviously, you're going to have to stagger. And that's another huge thing we'll, you know, eventually get into, like, you know, what, what are the minutes going to be like? You know, will you end up bringing Maxi along with some of these bench guys at points in the game? Will you allow him to, to handle? Because he can't play off the ball the whole game. Um, and James Harden, unless he becomes a, a much better catch-and-shoot type of guy, who knows if he can do that? So definitely, I mean, it's going to take some creativity for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going to take some creativity. Um, and, you know, again, Doc Rivers is not known to be the most creative, uh, but – you know, he is known to be the most 
you know, refusing yeah. to play young players. So yeah. I, I think I wouldn't be if if he if we come out and D'Anthony Melton doesn't see the floor for the first eight games of the season, I, I would <laughs> the the fan base would be irate, but it wouldn't be totally outside of yeah. Doc Rivers' personality to do yeah. that. But I think Melton has proven himself in the NBA enough off the bench uh, that that yeah. he's kind of a lock to get some bench minutes. But everything else is definitely up in the air. And yeah. um, but I just think you know the options Doc had last season, and then being the stubborn guy that he is, you know, playing for Concord for four months, and the guy was it got to the point where he was shooting ten percent from three. Uh, I don't think there's players. I think we have enough players that you don't have to go to a guy like that for four straight months. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat, man. 400 plus in here. Hit that thumbs up wherever you're watching. We're live on two channels. Philly Tig with RB running back Philly. We're doing this every week. Give us your thoughts. Call into the show 508-924-3784. Who do you think could be the X factor then? Because I feel like we've talked about a lot of guys. Um, you know, I'm, I think the X factor of this team, uh, off the bench at least, I think it's going to be Shake Milton, man. Like I said before, you know, if we if we get the 10 to 15 points a night, Milton, I'm expecting Melton to to get better with an increased role. Uh, he's already shown potential of what he can do. But if we get that solid Shake Milton and that guy that can attack, can be aggressive and can stay healthy, I mean, that's a serious combo. And, and I think then you're starting to really talk about solidified bench production. Yeah, the X factor off the bench, I think I would say the same thing. If, like I said, last season he just didn't look healthy the whole season to me. Um, so I'm not going to totally write him off. I don't think that was him. I don't think that was himself. Uh, we've seen what he can play like even deep into the playoffs, you know, saving game six against Atlanta or game five, was it? But um, he's a guy that doesn't really, doesn't really change based on pressure or anything like that. He's very cool, calm, and collected. And you talk, you know, a lot of people talk about the Sixers need a backup point guard. Um, I think he's a perfect backup point guard type of player. He he slows yep. the game down. He runs a pick and roll. He's very methodical and strategic with the ball and what he's going to do and can just kind of run the shot clock out, get all the way to the rim. Uh, so I agree. If you get a good version of, of Shake Milton off the bench, um, I think that boosts your team greatly. That's why I think people being – either too high on this team right now or too low on this team right now are, you know, a little bit crazy to me because there's there's uh, there's some big ifs and you can't really say this is going to happen and this is not going to happen. Yeah. Um it's there's potential for it to be really 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 good. And that's what that's what I'm excited about. If yeah, it all blows up and it's <laughs> not good, it would be just be another day in Philly sports history, but you know, I'm going to be optimistic at least hey, right I now. I think there is a contingency plan, though, for that, and I don't think we've had that before. So we'll have to see uh, how it plays out. Shout out to Duncan with the super chat. Appreciate it. Says, with Harden playing the way he did in the playoffs, is his contract worth it? Well, with the way he played in the playoffs, absolutely not. But now with the full <laughs> off season to get under his belt, again, still rehabbing from that injury and getting closer with these guys and, and building that connection. I mean, all the optics are great. Will he come back in shape? That is the biggest thing, and we'll see it right off the bat. We'll know. You know, is he going to be that guy or not? Um, but I think he has done everything right. I think the Sixers have done everything they can to this point to, one, upgrade the roster, get better. A lot of that falls on Harden, and I think if he comes back healthier and can maintain that, I think this team can be really good. I mean, we're talking about James Harden, Joe Ellenby, Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris. I mean, come on, man. 
Yeah, if, if you're talking about X Factor overall, I would agree that it's that it's probably James Harden because if you get Yeah. If you get that uh, you know, just like five months ago the guy dropped a forty point triple double in Brook in Brooklyn. So it wasn't that long ago that he was still really, really, really good. Uh and James Harden's yeah, James Harden's a guy that you have to bet on. You know, no matter how bad and worn down he looked or, or injured or whatever he looked last season deep into the playoffs. You yeah. still have to look at the past couple of years before that and say, I have no choice but to bet on this guy. I have to bet that he's going to be great uh, because it's James Harden. You, yeah. you you have him, you have to bet on it. You just have to. If you're wrong, Dude. you're wrong, but you have to bet on him. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a it's a, it's a a 10 against a 5 in blackjack. You have to. Mm-hmm. You have to push it. You yeah. have to. Play. Yeah, yeah. You have to. <laughs> exactly. Or actually, you would stay in that situation, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I might push it, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my guy QWERTY with the $3 Super Chats. His thoughts on Maxi as a six-man playing starter minutes. Um, My personal opinion on that is I think anything other than Tyrese Maxi starting and getting a full game in is taking a step backwards. There's, you, you know, you just can't go that direction with Maxi. I think uh, he showed enough. He obviously took a huge leap. And you just can't look back, man. He is a starter in this league. He's ready to rock. I, you know, I know he came up a little bit short in some of the playoff games. The kid's young for the most part. I mean, he did an excellent job this season. I think he's ready for more. I think he's ready for more. Yeah, I don't, yeah. You have to start Tyrese Maxey. He is a potential. I mean, there's just no reason to, to put him off the bench. You know, it's not like it's not somebody the other day compared him to Tyler Hero. It might have been last week in the stream that we did on <laughs> Thursday, but um that's different to me because Tyler Hero can't guard me. I'm serious. I can score on Tyler Hero at least once. Um, Tyrese Maxey, even at his size, only 6'2 or 6'3, whatever it is, can play a little bit of defense for his size. Um, he's just a guy that's all over the place. There's no reason to, to bring him off the bench. Um, and he, him being the high-energy guy that he is at just 21 years old, guess what? You can leave him out there. You can He can start, and then when Joel and James go to the go to the bench – Tyrese can be the transition player that stays out there. The okay. bench comes out, and then you know he could be a forty-minute-a-game type of player. Yeah. He's just—he's not—he doesn't have an injury history. He doesn't have, you know, just just play him, play him as much yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah, he can run like anything, man. I mean, like you said, he's young, and I mean, he's in the best shape of his life. The kid works hard every day. Um, I I don't I don't think we're gonna you know see a statistical leap because how could you really do that in year three with how good he played this year? And I think people still, you know, don't take all that into consideration. But I think what we're going to see is the maturity leap. You know, I think we're going to see Tyrese Maxey get smarter, not turn it over as much, and really become more polished as a player. And just to see that at age 22 in year three, and let's be honest, he didn't even really play that much the first year, and he should have gotten more minutes. Um, It's scary, man. And, like, I I think people are kind of sleeping on Maxey, but – like not Philly fans, but in general, but they started to get his name out there when he had some of these big moments, some of these big games. I think after this year, they're going to be talking about Tyrese Maxey. Like, you know, he's going to be in the headlines a lot. Yeah, his game's mostly been, uh, you know, especially last year when James joined the team, his, his numbers came from catching and shooting. He shot a crazy percentage from three. Um, and then a lot of his game came from just cutting to the basket and having like room to run because the defense is paying attention to Harden and Embiid. But I want people to think about this too. Every single day, Tyrese Maxey is 
is working out, especially once they get into training camp and everything, is working out and practicing next to one of the best ISO players to ever play the game in James Harden. He's learning from him every single day. And if you add even a little bit of that offensive skill set, that one-on-one ISO ability to break guys down, the dribble step backs, the all those kinds of things, if Tyrese Maxey picks up even a little bit of that and adds that to what he already has, he can be an absolutely lethal player. And I think you're going to see a lot more this season of Tyrese Maxey when James is off the floor being yeah. a kind of guy that lulls people to sleep, walks up, dribbles, hit, and gives them that little that little step back three and that little hesitation game and breaking guys down off the dribble. I think you're going to see a lot more of Tyrese Maxey breaking guys down off the dribble than you've seen. Yeah, and he's, he started to do that a little bit last year, right? Like he pulls up from deep, deep, and, man, he's going to be electric. I, I can't wait. I think he's the perfect athlete. Like I just think he's everything about Philadelphia. Um, it could be scary, man, if things go well. Uh, but yeah, shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Still 400 up in here. This is an off-season show. I mean, we're we're breaking it down every week for you, man. Where are you getting this kind of coverage? Uh, we're here weekly, you know, obviously on our own shows, just just bringing you the coverage that you need, man. So we appreciate everybody, you know, coming through and, and talking and giving their thoughts. All the callers, shout out to you guys as well. Let us know if you want us to continue doing this, man. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. It's kind of like a, a nice recap show, you know, yeah, get, for sure. going over everything that's going on and it, you kind of keep things in perspective right i feel like it's a whole journey and i feel like with a philadelphia offseason it, it you know there's always important things man like it, it, there's never just a dry time even in the driest time that there is which is right now there's still things going on right james harden starting off a new uh wine collection i mean there's, there's just little things like that it just <laughs> it never ends man i love it by the way are, are you gonna cop that that wine when it drops the uh, absolutely not no no, not, no, not even a, a try, man. Not even a no. try. Not even just no. the bottle. No. Nope. <laughs> I think no, I might no. have. The thing about it is uh, <laughs> I have a different opinion on things like that. Uh, I, I, I was a bartender for 14 years. I I, I just don't touch a $16 <laughs> bottle of wine. It's not going to be good. I'm sorry to tell everyone. And, like, listen, man. I don't know if it's going to be. I don't, I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> no, here's the thing. And it'll give you a hell of a hangover because cheap wine has a whole bunch of sugar in it. All right? I'm going to break it down for you guys. Uh, the science of it but no seriously though I from a business standpoint I don't understand it personally because I don't think anybody that drinks wine wants to walk into a store and buy wine with an NBA player's face on it that's literally titled James Harden (laughs) 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 and on the other side of it I don't think people who don't drink wine are gonna go drink wine because James Harden made a wine so I don't understand the marketing of it whatsoever but the bottle looks cool and get your money James whatever they paid you I'm you know I'm not mad at you for it I I think James Harden just loves drinking and I think, you know, he just loves his wine. Like, uh, by the way, shout out to Michael Rubin. Happy birthday to him. I think it's his 50th birthday. They just had a whole party, you know, and all that. Um, but I, I even saw Harden on the, in the comments on Instagram. He was like, you know, take some big shots for me. Like, I, I think Harden is just a natural drinker. Who knows? Maybe it could surpri- surprise some people. Yeah. And, you know, given his fact that he loves it, right? Maybe maybe he wants to drink some of his stuff. I don't know, though. But I, I agree with you. I think I'll just get it as like a souvenir just to have. Yeah, I like the bottle. Yeah. I might buy one just to have the bottle. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Wine gives me a headache in general. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much of a wine drink. Yeah, in that quote, in that article, he he said, like, you know, uh, at 32, like, I don't shed fat as fast and it sucks because I want to eat whatever I want and I want to drink wine all summer. (laughs) Good. He's he's in with the big celebrities, man. Like, he loves enjoying himself for sure. 
Um, and, that, and that's apparent. That's apparent. But, hey, as long as he comes focused on the court, man. And guess uh, what? Like some of the games, I pointed this out last season. I don't know if it's conspiracy theory or not, but he looked good in Philly. As soon as they went to Miami, he looked like trash. Guess what also starts <laughs> to hit you very hard when you reach 32, 33, 34 years old? Hangovers, ladies and gentlemen. You can be hungover when you're 25 and play the game the next day and nobody will ever know. You can't be hungover when you're 33. It's just <laughs> it's insane. You don't have any energy. It's awful. And some of those games in Miami, I'm not going to lie, he might have been hungover. He might be learning the hard way. I can't play with a hangover anymore at 30 to 33 years old. Hey, at least he's learning, man. She's learning. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Naquan in the chat. Says big ups from Trinidad. We got Trinidad in the house, man. We're, we're global. Got everybody watching, man. Appreciate you guys uh, you know, constantly supporting the show. Aaron with the super chat. He says, I'm hyped for the Melton and a healthy Milton off the bench. Both can score and play D. Melton is a better rebounder, and Milton is a better playmaker. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that could be a lethal combo. I mean, the last time I was really wowed by Shake Milton, if I'm being honest, is when we were sitting in the stands watching him go off in that game, too. I, I remember. Yeah, we were there. Yep. We didn't want him to come into the game because he hadn't looked good, and Doc just goes with a gut feeling. And, and I, I forget how many he had. I think it was like 12, 13 off the bench. And we we're like, oh my gosh, man. And, you know, I want to get that spark back from Shake Milton. I, I'm rooting for the kid. This is really, though, his last chance in my eyes. That was game five, right? Uh, no, nah, that was uh, wasn't that game two that we went to? Oh, that was game two. Game yeah, yeah, five yeah. was the, I mean, that was just a terrible night. That was an, you know, the epic collapse. Yeah, that was, was a night where, uh, you know, thing things were not pretty for sure. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody. We got North Korea in the chat, man. Shouts to everybody. We appreciate it. I think it's just crazy too how much the Sixers fan base spans. You know, just. This Philly fan base, a lot of diehards, man, and it's incredible. I like this comment from Calvin Cambridge. He said 13 off the bench with laughing faces. <laughs> it is like when you think about guys who really cook off the bench like Jordan Clarkson, like, yeah, you're not celebrating 13 off the bench. Uh, but I, I think Shake had 13, like, points almost in a row. You know what I mean? It was like a – it, it wasn't just total, like, 13 off the bench. It was like a streak of, like, wow, this dude's unstoppable right now. So. Yeah. You know, it's all in perspective. But, yeah, 13 off the bench doesn't sound crazy. But the way that it happened was, like, you know, especially, like, I think our team was looking stale at the time. We needed somebody to create, and he was like, bam, here you go. Yeah, we needed to win that game, and we did because of Shake Milton. And, I mean, it's – I mean, it is kind of funny, but we just don't – we haven't had anybody consistently like that. So, you know, we need it, man. We need it for sure. Um, Facts. Once again, no shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Hit that thumbs up button. Be sure to follow us on all our socials. There they are on the screen. Shout out to all the callers, man. Another edition, Sixers Weekly. We talked about the new potential stadium coming in 10 years. Think about where you'll be in 10 years. Coming in 10 years. <laughs> coming in a decade. Wow. We talked about Summer League. We talked about our potential lineups and our optimal starting lineup. So definitely uh you know give it a listen man maybe you watch it on the second time around when you're on your way to work who knows man uh yeah. shouts everybody man dj got anything else no nah. why are people saying nerland's noel to philly what, what what's up with him isn't he a free agent i think yeah i mean you know you know no people like to bring old players back a lot you know yeah uh, did, wait, did he get traded was he in that uh was he in he that was in, i think he, i think he was in dallas the last time i remember 
And then he played for the Knicks. I think he played for the Knicks, and then he oh, played yeah. for Dallas. Yeah, he was he was with the Knicks, but wasn't he in that that Pistons deal? Or who am I thinking of? Too much yeah, yeah, happened. Yeah. He was in that Pistons deal with Alec Burks, so he's in Detroit. Oh, he's in Detroit. Yeah, him and Burks got moved uh, to the Pistons. They were clearing cap space. Yeah, no, I'm just listen. Even even when people bring up Markel Fultz, I'm a no because I'm just not interested in past projects that failed. I'm not interested in trying it again. Even if that player figures it out somewhere else, that's great. I'm not interested in it. I don't see any benefit of Nerlens Noel really. Um, Sucks, but I think he was overrated coming into the NBA, and I think he's he. You found out really what he is—a guy that can block 15 shots in college because he can jump high and was really tall. And then he got to the NBA and was like, oh, this guy just isn't that much of anything. To be fair, he was also in a very awkward situation, uh, you know. Yeah. Along with the likes of Embiid, Okafor. Like, it just didn't make sense. Um. He was a big lob threat guy, you know, yeah. with uh, with uh, Ish Smith. That was fun to watch when the Sixers weren't fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I will – pride myself on being one of the only people that I knew in in real life who was actively watching Sixers games at the time. So shout out to Nerlens <laughs> Noel. It was fun to watch. They were always down by 20 or 30. You knew they were going to lose, but uh yeah, Made the win special, man. Made the win special. <laughs> <laughs> I would be I would be like sitting at a bar before a DJ gig and and, and be like, "Yo, can you put the Sixers game on?" The bartender would be like, "What?" <laughs> you want me to put what on the TV? <laughs> yeah. Aren't yeah. they like 10 and 90? Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, that, those were those were some days for sure. Uh, Chat said uh, if they get bought out. I mean, yeah, it, you know, potentially look at it. There's a couple of guys like that on the market. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. KJ um, McDaniel's. Good lord, are we just naming process player? Oh, process legend. Okay, I was gonna say that guy's not in the NBA, is he? Nah, man, no way, no way. He did have that one crazy dunk though. I'll never forget it. Um, made his know. whole. Made his whole. Man yeah. made his whole uh, short career off of a no-look dime from Tony Roten. I almost forgot his name. Tony Roten with the no-look hook shot dime for the alley-oop. I remember that play exactly. We, we got to end it off on that one, man. Now yeah. we're bringing up Tony Roten. Oh, <laughs> oh. Time to go. <laughs> Shots are good for coming through, man. <laughs> Sixers Weekly, man. Philly take with RB. Run it back, Philly. RB, DJ Eastwood. Shouts to you guys for rocking with us, man. Appreciate everybody for coming through. We won't be back next week. I'll be gone on vacation, but we'll be back the week after. So who knows? I don't think any signings will happen anyway, but we'll see. Daryl Morey always has something up his sleeve. DJ, appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Love it. Sounds Thanks good. for having me. Thanks for everyone coming through. Um, yeah, you know, let's, let's make it an every Thursday thing. I know you're on vacation next week, but moving into the season, man, let's try to do it. Let's do it, man. Shouts to the chat. You guys have a great night. Be safe, everybody. Peace.